He desires to give us the kingdom. He wants to do this. So therefore, we are recipients. I guess the big question is what kind of receiver we really are. You know, you ever give them to give somebody? Oh, okay, just put it on the stack of the other gifts. You ever give, give somebody like that? I am. And really, I wasn't looking for any real thank you, but it was just so obvious, the body language and the action and, re, and the response is like, whoa, no big deal. No big deal. You know what? I give, and I want to give to people, but you know, if they're not good receivers, I, I kind of know better the next time. I mean, I may give, go on and give out of love, but it's not the same. But when we show appreciation, when we show an acknowledgement of what God has done and the giver, what he's given, how do you think relationship happens between you and your God? It's powerful. The Father is pleased and you're one of his children, you know? Maybe the Father will think, I think maybe I might need to teach him a little bit here before next time around. Wouldn't any dad do that? I think would. I would. I would. My son years ago when he was a little boy, he loved the Dallas Cowboys. And he wanted so bad to have a Dallas Cowboy jacket. And they were real popular. He wanted the official jacket. Starter jacket. We hunted. We searched. This was before the online shopping. We, we checked all the stores. We went all over the place in Cincinnati. And we just couldn't do it. So we bought something else. Something a little cheaper and different. Wasn't a starter. And when he got that, he wasn't quite real happy with it. And so we went around, raced around all over the place trying to exchange that jacket. And we ended up spending back then, in the 80s, over a near $200 for a jacket. That was a lot of money back then. We did that because we loved him. But then, you know what? Old dad learned something after that. We just ain't going to be chasing after that. Appreciation given is gifts being inspired. See, if we show appreciation to God, God will, will bless us. And we use what he gives us, he'll bless us. Thank you, worship team. I appreciate it. I just want you to know that, man, God does what he wants to do. And because of his love. That's why it's so important we talk about God's love that, and the gospel message is that I think of one verse in particular, God commended or demonstrated his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Didn't have to do it, but he did. And because of that, I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of God does what God wants to do. And he wants to do. And he wants to bless. He loves us. I don't know why he likes me. I don't know why he loves me. I would even question if he liked me. I mean, I would question, why would we be friends? Me, you know, I could, oh, hey, this is, a, this is a climbing to the top here when knowing that God's my friend. But why would he love me and care for me? We should feel that appreciation. I just, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. I want you to turn your neighbor, look at them and say, I'm glad to see you today. I want to continue to preach to you about the gospel. And I, I actually was inspired by what I said, I think a week ago, about what is on the platform about what is visible, what we see, and the message is there. And I said, you know, this is the gospel message. He came down. He died. He arose. He ascended, and he's coming back. And, but then some, I realized there's so much more in between those particular points here and Will you just pray with me right now? How many here will preach with me this morning? You get up on the platform, I'll tell you to sit down. But 
How many here will preach with me this morning and raise your hand and say, hey, I'm with you, going with you, I'm on your team, you go, boy, go and preach, and I'm with you, I'm going to focus, and that I'm going to receive something God wants me to, to receive. Because listen, I've got, a, I've got some distance to cover here. We're talking, we're talking nearly 6,000 years here, okay? And I'm only going to do it within maybe 20 minutes, some of it, touching on it. But I want you to see this, and so join in with me. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're believing, Lord, for a move of your spirit that the gospel, the word of God, will touch our hearts and our lives. Lord, like never before, we leave this room today, God, hearing from the Holy Ghost, hearing from you speaking to us individually in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have you shared the gospel this week with anybody? Have you shared Jesus with anybody this week? Well, I'll give you an assignment before you come back next Sunday. And please come back anyway, but I, I just challenge you. You know, this is better than an open book test here. There's no grading here, all right? There's nothing but... I challenge you to share Jesus Christ with someone. Tell them about the Lord. Those people around you that get around you. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, as a text, a foundation, Paul is speaking here, and he, he's talking to the Romans, the, those who are uh, in Rome serving the Lord that are Christians, Gentiles who are Christians. And he states this in this letter in Romans chapter 1, in this letter to the Romans, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. You were saved because of the gospel. You accepted the gospel. The gospel touched your heart. The Holy Spirit used it as his platform and working in your heart the truth of the gospel that it brought power to you, to God, for salvation. So if you're saved today, if you're a believer today, it's because of the gospel. It's because of the gospel. It's not because of a song, and it's not because of a good preacher, if you can find one. And then, I'm just kidding. And then, it's not because of grandma or grandpa. It's not because of mom and dad. It's not because that faithful friend, it's not because them that you have salvation. You have salvation and I have salvation because the power of the gospel. That it's the truth that we held on to, that we prayed this sinner's prayer. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the dead, and that you forgive me of my sins. Be Lord of my life. You're a believer because you prayed the gospel. You believed in the gospel. You took a stand on the gospel. Not a personality or person. You felt the tinge of the drawing of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit does work with the gospel, with the Word of God. It's anointed by the Spirit of God. So whenever you share the gospel to someone, then you automatically know that the Holy Spirit is present because in the gospel, the central character of the gospel message is Jesus himself. And Jesus said that the Spirit was going to speak things of him and bring him up. Sure as he had lifted up God the Father, the Spirit was going to come and lift up the name of Jesus. So when you share the gospel, you can guarantee that the Holy Spirit is going to be activated and he's going to start doing something in the heart of people. Have you ever seen someone get, uh, get touched by God and never experienced God's presence before? You ever seen someone kind of tear up a little bit, moved a little bit, and the stone is cracked on, in their heart and something happened? It was a word that penetrated. It was the Holy Spirit that used the gospel. You believe that? The gospel. So here we are. You know, one, one writer put it this way about the gospel. The gospel is not about choosing to follow advice. It's about being called to follow a king. Hallelujah. Not just because someone with, the, with, someone with the power and authority to tell you what needs to be done, but someone with the power and authority to do what needs to be done. 
and then to offer it to you as good news. That's the gospel. It's not advice. You choose to follow a king, a king that provided the way and made a way and now is offering that way to us. The gospel isn't about the things you must do, but rather it is done. A way that has been made. Behind me, I, I thought about it in this artwork um, a lot. I thought about maybe understanding. Maybe this could be a visual to you of where I'm going and what I'm going to try and touch on this morning. Though what I speak of, you will not see totally. It's the in-between spaces. It's like a guide here of where we're going. Because if I speak of the events and preach of the events, I'm missing something if I don't talk about what's in between. Because it is a continual straight line. It's not a broken line. It goes on and on. And, and so it's a line not broken by individual things, but it's a continuation of the gospel. It's a narrative. A narrative is a story or account of events and experiences. This, this is a, an, anecdotal. This artwork is because anecdotal, anecdotal, anecdotal is a representation of subject matter in representational art. It's, it pertains to the relationship of the figures and arrangement of elements in a scene so that it's to emphasize the story content of the subject. It gives us a story. It gives us a message. What we see on the platform is an artistic layout of a divine plan. And don't just settle just to concentrate only on the visible symbols. But we must give close attention to the spaces before, after, and between. Those spaces have a powerful message of their own. We see here, he came down, but there was space before it, before he came down, and the space after he came down. Before he came down, in John 1, 1 through 3, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I had to pause there because I know the World Translation Bible, Jehovah's Witnesses is the world, and the word was a God, and little g, and a, and that's a big difference in faith. He is God. He's God. He is God. He's not a God. If you say a God, then there's other gods. And a small g means really small, insignificant, really what it is. But it's capital G, God. And the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. God created the universe, created everything, and Jesus was there at the moment and point of creation. And even before that, he was and is and always shall be. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He's everything in between. He is he is omnipotent God, Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And that's something really to concentrate on. Many times we speak of the Holy Spirit, of the fingle, of the uh, feeling and the tingle and the stuff going on in our life. We feel the Holy Ghost. Well, that's wonderful. But the Holy Ghost is God. He's not a feeling. He's not an essence. But he's God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. That's just a rehearsal of fundamental right there. That you always believe that he's not a presence, but he's God. Praise the Lord. Come to class sometimes on Wednesdays. If you'll come, we might even talk about some of that on the Trinity. But here, Jesus, in the beginning, there was the word and nothing was made. That all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Genesis 3.16 records that it actually is the gospel message at the very beginning. Because Adam and Eve were in the garden. God created the, the universe and the worlds. He spoke them into existence. And then he created man that, because man needed to know what the love of God was. 
Here, the existence of love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a unity, he wanted there to be also opportunity for someone else to experience that love. He creates man that man might worship him and man might, you know, give worship and praise to him. He creates man and then he looks and he sees after man is charged the name, all the names and the, the animals and the creatures on the face of the earth after the creation was made and then man was placed the last part of his artistic glorious work. Maybe God would say today, he said, I saved the best for last. You're important, you're valuable, you're not an animal. You didn't slither on some beach somewhere or wash on like some, some amoeba and then eventually somehow uh, turn into an amphibious frog. And from a frog, you hopped around and from a frog, suddenly the frog decides that he's just going to start evolving, 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 and evolving into a primate. You are not a primate. You are not an animal. You are a man. You're created by the hand of God. You say, oh yeah, you may be a mammal, but I, I don't stop there. I am a man. I'm created in the image of God. I am not an animal. Ask my wife. On a good day. And, but you are, you're a human. You were created in God's image. You're not a happenstance. You're not an accident. You're created in the image of God and the devil hates it. He hates it. That's why he's killed millions of unborn babies because he hates mankind and humanity. He hates it because the image of God. And so therefore, in the garden, you know the story. You know, it's like the story that the account of Adam was walking with his son. They're walking around. They walk around all this, you know, rough area, rocky area and all this bad stuff. And they looked over and the boys saw the garden. And they said, Dad, why don't we live there? Why can't we live there? And Adam looked down at the sun and said, Son, we used to live there until when your mom ate us out of house and home. <laughs> I'm sure there's some, listen, I tell you, the responsibility fought on Adam because Adam, Adam was there when he took a bite of that fruit. He was there. He didn't stop her. He's just as guilty or more than her, but I just had to say that. That, that, that got your attention, didn't it? <laughs> there, man had fallen, covered himself, trying to hide himself from God, from the one he used to walk in the cool of the day with. That's what sin will do. That's what sin will do in a person's life. That the very one who can make a difference and bless them, they want to refrain and stay away from. But then the Bible says here in Genesis 3.15, God finds him. He says, Adam, where are you? Adam finally shows himself. He said, we're, we're hiding because we're naked. He said, who told you that you're naked? And then the blame game started. You know, Adam blamed Eve. And Eve blamed the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> uh, this old man, they're father jokes, Okay. Dad jokes. I, but this is what the Lord says in the midst of their sinful condition. He says in Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Now, I want you to back up there for a moment. Biologically, women do not possess the seed. Men possess the seed. But the woman, who was the woman who knew not a man, who possessed the seed? We know it was Mary, who never knew a man, but yet the Holy Spirit moved upon, and she possessed the seed. <laughs> you know, there's a message in this, see? It says, then the woman, it says here, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. But he will crush your head. Jesus, the message of Jesus had already started. God had already had a plan. 
even in the garden, in the midst of failure. God says it's not failure. It's going to be a part of the process. It's going to be a part of the picture. And I'm going to make a remedy and solve the situation of sin that you'll no longer be doomed forever. But because, and because of that, he kept them from eating from the tree of life and banned them from the garden because he didn't want man to forever be in his sinful state. Amen. Between, so before he came down, thousands of years passed until a time was the right time. And the moment was set up for it. That between he came down to he died, that space, he came down. We celebrate that. He came down. But there's a space between him coming down and the cross. There's a space in between there, between that in John 21 and 25, John closes out his book talking about that miracle working, glorious son of God, talking about the things that he'd done and how he'd done it. And I love how John states it. He says, and in John 21, 25, and there are also many other things that Jesus did. Which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, came and he lived life without sin. Without sin. He lived life. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was uh, tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin. Between coming down and the cross, there was a sinless Savior. One who lived life, born of a virgin, son of God, son of man, who came and re came to redeem mankind. You know that, Jesus, don't you? You know this space in between here. It's where preachers and Christians alike have for ages uh, have been excited about. He's the water-walking event that took place, that Jesus walked on water. He's the one that raised the dead at Lazarus' tomb and raised up the young man of the widow Cain. He's the one that saw the multitude of people who were hungry following him and he took two sardines and five biscuits and fed over six or seven, eight, nine, ten thousand people overall, men, women, and children. He's that one, you know, that one who spoke to the demon possessed and the demons cried out even before he commanded them and said, why have you come to judge us already? Oh, Lord. And he commanded them to come out of legion and they ran into a bunch of swine and went and drowned themselves. You know, come on, somebody, Gideon, we're here. You promised that you would join in. You know, will you preach with me this morning? Hallelujah. All the things over and over and over again that he did between coming down to the cross. Tempted at all points like as we are or were, but without sin. And he reaches the cross. He dies the cross. He dies on the cross. He dies. The world grew dark for that moment of time. He dies. That no man took his life, but he laid it down freely himself. Jesus reigned on the cross just as much as he reigns today. He's the son of God on the cross, as sure as the son of God who walked out of the tomb. He's the son of God. And because he died on the cross for our sin. Here is God who made a decision to love us so much that those who brought about hideous pain of nails and whipping and hanging him on the cross and shreds and pieces of skin hanging and bleeding like the sacrificed lamb or even worse, beaten beyond recognition and he looks at the killers, the murderers and those who mock him and those who sent him to that place and he cries out, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why? Because he knew what he was doing 
He had a plan. And it's, it's spread out here. So on the cross, he dies. He dies. So there's the space between he died and he arose. Those three long, arduous days. You ever been in that situation where you just, uh, just long, terrible days, dark and gloomy time of feelings of hopelessness and, and dread? You ever been there before? Have you ever invested your life in something and then lost it? And the disciples, they invested three years, around three years of their life following him, leaving their families. And there he's dead. But more than the gloom is not the failure, a sense of failure. They were brokenhearted because their master died that way. But in between there, Jesus has never been one. I don't think Jesus was hyperactive. I don't believe it. You ever had seen a kid where just can't seem to sit still? Some of you might be married to someone like that. That just can't cool it. You know? Oh, wait. Gotta be doing something. You know, they sit on the sofa. It's patting their foot. Ready to get up, you know. Get up all the time. Run, run. You know, they're terrible to sit in during a movie. Sit with them. No. They're terrible. The, they, they hyperactive are almost as bad as the real slow ones who end up going to sleep. They're not real fun to watch a movie with either. But Jesus wasn't hyperactive. Jesus was on a mission. He knew exactly what he wanted to do and what needed to be done. For there was before he came individuals who had decided through the law, through faith in him, to serve God through Judaism or even before Judaism. And they were reserved in the place called paradise. A place of Abraham's bosom, recorded Jesus talked about. He shared the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. They were there waiting. They were the ones, if you remember, at the Mount of Transfiguration. I think it's really interesting. Can you imagine what the conversation was? Jesus is his glorified form. Peter falling all over himself because he always says the wrong thing. But there, the, what the conversation was when Jesus spoke to Elijah and Moses. I'll tell you what it was. He says, I'm coming. We're going to finish this thing. The, lamb, the blood of lambs and goats and bulls will never redeem humanity. But when there is a spotless, without sin, Son of God, God himself, paying the price for forgiveness, Messiah who come. They awaited from, from the beginning of time, waited for him to come. He probably told them, I'm coming. Tell everybody, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And when he died on that cross and he says, it's finished. He truly meant what he said. Finished the plan, the opportunity, what needed to be for salvation. And while those above were Gloomy and mourning, he went down and walked into that place of paradise. He says, A, it's time for relocation. I am the one to all the prophets that were in that area. I'm the one you waited on. Here am I. From Isaiah to Daniel to all the prophets to Abraham they all bowed down and said, Jesus, you are Lord. And we believe the law preserved us, but you save us. And they walked out of paradise and became residents of heaven. Yeah. We'll talk about later. You come Wednesday night, we'll talk about this situation. Because some people think he went down and fought the devil. He didn't fight the devil. Power of life and death has always been in God's hands. Jesus has always had the keys. He didn't go and take the keys from the devil. Satan was scared about that time between the cross and the tomb. He was worried about that moment. He's the one that was really worried about that, what's going to happen. Because he said he's going to rise up. But all the powers of hell and all the powers of death could not hold him back. He rose from the dead. He died... He took care of everything they needed. 
when descended, then came up. He arose from the dead. And then the space between, he arose and his ascension. Colossians chapter 2, 13, verse 13 Wait, wait a minute. First Peter 3.19, I already shared that with you. You can check that scripture verse out with you. But between he arose and ascended, Colossians 2, 13 and 15. And you being dead in your trespasses, it's you. You find Jesus, you're dead in your trespasses. You being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made us alive together with him, having forgiven you all of trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. We were guilty. We had charges against us, things we did, sins against us. But here it says he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made public spectacle of them triumphing over it. He showed the world. He showed humanity. He showed for all time that he was king of kings and lord of lords, that he triumphed over the death. He triumphed over the grave. He triumphed over everything that would possibly make us afraid. He triumphed over your past sins. He triumphed all the accusations against you. He triumphed over all of that, nailing it to the cross and, and then making a show before the world that these things do not exist anymore. That when he rose, we rose. We walk and live in that very life. He arose and he ascended. Between the ascended, he's, he's, he's coming back. You know, um, oh, your house is down there. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. There's 440 State Route 850 Bidwell, Rodney Pike Church got right here. Um, there's your kids. There's um, your parents. There's everything in between here. We're, well, as, oh, by the way, here we are right now. I see you. Hey, wave to me. We're in between that. He ascended, but he's coming back. And there's an in between of he ascended and he's coming back. John 14, 1 through 3 says, Jesus told his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go. That's what's happening in between here. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also, you, you know what? There you are in between there. There you are. But somehow on the other side, a little bit further up, it, I can see some construction going on. Oh, man, if you could just see that mansion that's coming up, you know, it's, that's where you're going to be. I mean, wow. In between, before he comes, he's making, he said, I go. He said, I'll come again. If I go, I will come again. As Jesus ascended into heaven, the angels told, dressed in white, to the disciples, you men of Galilee, why stand here gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus who you've seen leave is coming back in like manner. He's coming back for us. John 14, 16 says Jesus is talking here again in that chapter. Jesus said to him, I am the way. John 14, 16. It says here, that's 14.6. I'm turning my Bible. I got it here. I guess I'd go to it, but she's trying. Technology is the ruler of all things. It was bad today. How many enjoyed that little glitch today? Thank you, Diana. You're doing great. 
There you go. You got it. I, I, do, I forgot that I had a standby right here. It just takes me a little longer to turn to. The truth, John 14, 16 says, and you are doing a great job. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus went back and said, I'm on mission. I'm going to sit to the Father, next to the Father, and I'm going to send you another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And in between that ascension and coming back, you find Acts chapter 2. He told his disciples, he, he told them before he left, he said, tearing the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then Acts chapter 2 says that after Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were in one room and one mind and one accord. And the Holy Ghost came and came as fire and cloven tongues fell upon them and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They left the upper room to upper room second session out in the street. Peter preaches Jesus Christ. He said, you know, the one you crucified, he is God had raised him up. All they had to do is walk down the road to the tomb and know that it's empty and know that nobody ever come up with the body of Jesus because he's alive. And they believed in the neighborhood. And, and 3,000 were added to the church that day because of the move and the power of the Holy Ghost. This is still going on. There have been countless, countless over the years of 2,000 years of passing where the church has made mistakes, but then the church has been on fire and the church has won the loss and heaven is receiving countless numbers of, of residents because the gospel is being preached. We're doing what he told us to do before he left. He said, go and preach and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit we're doing that and look what's happening the results you're a result you're a happening this gospel message has affected you you who were once in your trespasses and your sins are now made alive through Jesus Christ our Lord will you raise your hands and praise God for the gospel praise him for the gospel praise him for the message Praise Him for the living word in you. Praise Him for the rescue word that came to you. Just praise Him and glorify His holy name. His holy name. <laughs> oh, can I say something to you? In between this space, we as a people, we have experienced some pretty bad times and gloomy times. The world morally seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And I'd like to stop it. I'd like to get a hold of some people, shake them and say, quit it! Have you lost your mind? Have you forgotten God? Totally. And now you mock Him. Do you think you can mock Him? God! God! God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God is not mocked. And I see that, I see all this stuff. But see, God's, God's got a remedy. The gospel message has an answer. The world's going to get bad. And before it gets to the worst of all worst, the Father's going to speak to the Son. He says, you know what? It's time. It's time. It's time. You go on, get the angels. Go on. There's going to be, go on. Hey, shine. The trumpet's been shined for 2,000 years. Now it's time to blow the thing. Let the angel blow it. Let the angel of the Lord sound the trumpet. And Jesus Christ is going to come back again. And the second coming of Jesus Christ. First, to raise the dead in Christ and those who are waiting. Then later, after tribulation, and the millennial reign. And after the devil's finally thrown into the lake of fire with the Antichrist. And it's all over. Then there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. You know why there'll be a new heaven new earth? Because the Bible says Satan is the lord of the air. He moves around. So God's just going to say, I'm going to recreate the whole thing. Anything Satan's touched... 
is now going to be destroyed and replaced. A new heaven, new earth. He's going to come down. When he comes down, he's going to reign for a thousand years. He's going to come down first for the rapture. Then eventually he'll come down all the way. He won't set his foot on the earth during the rapture, but he will during the time when it comes to rule and reign on this earth. So what I'm telling you, you are in the middle of these spaces. The message is so full and complete. How could one turn down the gospel? Because not only is the gospel powerful, it is a propositional gospel. Let me explain just for a sec. Propositional is the act of offering or suggesting something to be considered, accepted, adopted, or done. The gospel is given to the world, been given to you, it's propositional for you to receive and up to you to receive it. I will tell you that judgment of God is not so severe for the fact of how bad men have done and things that men have done that they die and they're judged and they go to hell. The worst of all worst thing is that an offer has been made and man refuses to receive the offer and this free offer of the gospel of Jesus Christ and men and women die and go to hell because they reject the gospel message and they reject Jesus as being Lord. It's an invitation given to all to accept, to believe, then to adopt it. You've been shared the gospel message. You've been called, you and I, to adopt it. And adopt is to choose or take as one's own act, act in accordance with. In other words, you start living it out. Start living out the gospel. Jesus is real. What he's done is true. And his word is true. And begin to allow yourself not to have a cultural worldview that's all messed up where people can't decide what gender they are and they can't decide what is right and we're, we're doing wrong and calling it right. We're doing this and that. Creating an, a culture of hate and prejudice and racism. We, are so, we live in a culture so messed up. An untoward generation. But we've been given the gospel message and mankind's been given the choice and you decide and I decide to adopt and to take this message for our own we live it out we believe it we really really believe it the gospel is not a story but it's an actual account it really happened Jack and the Beanstalk is a story. You know? This is not a story. <laughs> this is the truth. And the truth will set you free. Would you stand with me? the worship team just come and play some music for a moment I want to ask you, do you what do you choose today what do you choose you choose the gospel you choose the truth or are you just going to keep on choosing your way well how far has that gotten you how's that working for you it's not working real well Jesus' way is the only way and it's a wonderful good news gospel good news message is there anyone here this morning would say, Pastor Ron, I need to choose God. I need to choose Him and I need Him in my life. I need Jesus. I want the gospel to be the power and the salvation in my life. Just raise your hand quickly. Raise it quickly. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. A decision. It's good. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Anyone in the house? Anyone else? Some of you had someone next to you raise their hand. Would you do me a favor? Because they're sitting next to you because they like you and you like them. You're a friend or relative. We 
you just put your hand on their back and pray for them right now if they if they raise their hand if you're next to them just lay your hand on their back and pray with them right now if they raise their hand and they're next you just go and lay your hand that's good that's great that's great I want everyone to pray this prayer, especially you who raise your hand. Pray this prayer. Believe. Dear Lord, I believe in your truth. I believe in your gospel. I receive Jesus as Lord of my life. I want to follow after him. Cleanse me of my sins. I believe he died and he rose on the third day. Let the power of that word and the power of your spirit control my life. I surrender in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, use us for your glory. Use us as we go out in the world. We glorify you and praise you, God. Anoint us with the message we share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Now what I want you to do, I want you to give a big round of applause to those who raised their hand and made a decision and say, hey, I'm not playing any games. I mean business with the Lord because the Lord means business with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Those of you who raise your hand, there'll be a connecting person that will be at the desk. Let's bring a stack up above here. We'll bring a stack up, okay. Connecting member, yeah. bring us back and see what we'll set it right here in front of Alan right there. Please take it. Please take it. Actually, I'll give you a little clue. Those who are going to be in the rooted teaching, I'm going to be using that booklet as a guide to help people and to be rooted disciples. I love you. I appreciate you so very much so glad that you're here today. I just want to send you out with the blessings of the Lord and God's favor. Come Wednesday night. We're going to continue on teaching and talking about this journey and the gospel and the Lord bless you greatly. Sing us out of here, Lord. God there bless you. In the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be crying. We shout out your praise. There is joy at the clock today last time we were a little pushed so i'm gonna give us 45 minutes coming back at 115 <laughs> 115 <laughs> now if you're late though i'm docking your pay <laughs> yeah take yeah yeah pto's gone birthdays are away <laughs>